Bootstrapped Web, it's May 12th. It is beautiful weather out here on the East Coast of the United States. Gordon, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, it's like there's so much to talk about. Maybe yeah. we should podcast more often. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I can handle more than once a week. This is I know. Like... <laughs> no, it's flying by. It's flying by. I Brian, know, and I, Brian and I were just saying, every, we just like turn around for a day and then come back and it's Friday and we're doing a podcast. Yep. Yep. You know, like once a year or so, I actually like update my Twitter uh, pinned tweet. Okay. And it's, it's usually something like promoting my business. Or right. Something. something. Like yeah. Uh, today, for the first time, after like nine years of host of co-hosting this, this podcast with you, I, I put bootstrapped web as my pinned tweet. Oh, fun. So, like uh, you know, I, like we talked about how I, I like to ask questions, on, like ask for listener questions on Twitter. I'm going to use this thing on that's pinned on my Twitter as like the okay. running thread going forward. That's where I'm going to post my notes Question. for what, what we're going to talk about this week. Okay, yeah. cool. I, I like it. I'm looking forward to being able to access that. Did, did you say nine years? I think so, dude. Like 2014 yeah. was when we started. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so speaking of 2014, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, yeah, 2014. So <laughs> this week, I did an interview with our friend Andrew Warner at Mixergy. And I Googled where the last time I was on, and it was 2014. Really? That that far back? Yes. Yes. Nine years. Wow. So Andrew and I had a hell of a conversation going back. Yeah. Last time I was on Mixergy, I had just sold my e-commerce business and was starting Cardhook as the card abandonment app. Mm. I was I remember where I was. I was in a rental house in Portland while we were doing our big trip to see where we wanted to move. And it was this month in Portland. I remember the house. I remember the Wi-Fi was sketchy. I was so scared because <laughs> I was so excited to be on Mixergy, which was, uh, yeah. you know, that, it, that's all I listened to. A, it is such a thrill. Like, I, I was on it, I think, twice. And same thing. It was a really long time ago. Like, I think I think I was on it maybe in 2015. Yeah, at, at and the you did, very, like, very some beginning special of, episode. I, yeah, earlier I did, like, a course. Yes. There, but then I, then I did an interview but it was about like the very beginning of audience ops or maybe even like restaurant engine. Yeah, like it was, yeah. it was far back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I hung out with Andrew. This was a couple of years ago, hung out with Andrew at, at his office in, in San Francisco. You, one of those that's right. you, you had guys have like whiskey or something. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just like such a thrill to like see his recording room. And like, I, it was like amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it has video. I think it does. But if you look at this, this like, this week's video, he and I got so gray, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah just comparing all the all the hair in the in the videos went gray, but I guess it's still there, so we won't complain. Fun fact: I met you, Jordan, through Andrew and Mixergy. That's right. That's right. That's how we originally uh, got connected with the mastermind group with Brennan Dunn and yep. a few others, Matt. Uh, and then we realized that we lived like 10 minutes away from each other. It was, it was like the craziest coincidence. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah we, right. we joined this mastermind group and then we met up for coffee like the next week in Connecticut. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Love yeah. it. Cool. So yeah. we, we got a lot to talk about. We got All right. things on Twitter. I had a board meeting this week. <sighs> I feel a lot better right now. I'm getting more sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. We'll get, we'll get into that. Um, I'll talk a little, I got a couple small things like still, uh, like with Clarity Flow, we, we've turned the corner with the new branding and everything. Um, uh, I wanted to catch up on some things. So there was one question from last week about getting into more sales demos with this move to Clarity Flow. Okay. Um, so that's starting to take uh, take shape. And then I also wanted to um, respond to 
and, and hear your thoughts on, on what Justin Jackson and uh, Aaron Francis have been. Well, Justin Jackson started this whole thread and blog post about like he gave a take on should you or shouldn't you start or bootstrap a business when you have young kids. Okay. Um, and so, I, some really interesting thoughts and takes. And then he and Aaron Francis sort of like debated both sides of that. Okay. Um, and I've been sort of like shaping some, some thoughts as I've been thinking about it, but okay. uh, yeah, I thought we'd get into it. I am unshaped because okay. I don't know what the conversation is like or where the debate is. So I, and I, I asked Brian not to tell me so that I could <laughs> react <laughs> yep. uh, on the air with my honest first thoughts. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, where should we begin? Uh, let's see. Why don't I cover the board meeting quickly and then maybe let's jump into uh, either your business or we can talk about the starting uh, business with kids. Okay. Yeah. So, if you recall, a few months ago, we had our first board meeting and that was my first formal board meeting. At Card Hook, I was the only board member. We didn't have board meetings uh, and I liked it that way. <laughs> uh, but now I'm you know, putting on my, my big boy pants with uh, fiduciary responsibility and millions of dollars of other people's money. What goes along with that is a board and quarterly board meetings. And the board meeting makes for an interesting like marker in the business's progression because it creates something on your calendar where there's like a bit of accountability, right? You're going to talk about how did the last three months go and what is the plan for the next three months? Uh, last time was the first one of the year. So we did an annual budget. So now you're looking back on that budget to test your assumptions and projections on how things are going. So it adds a, a significant layer of accountability to running the business. It's still early stage. So it's not like, you know, guidance of a public company. And if you miss things by, you know, X amount, then it's not good. It's, it's not like that. It's more fluid. And fortunately, our board is very supportive and we speak with them regularly outside of the board meeting. So it's not like we don't talk for three months and then talk. I speak with them. Yeah. On can, you, can you remind us like who's in on the board meeting? Okay. So officially, the board is myself and Rock and our lead investor, Hyun, at March Capital. Uh -huh. But we have our lawyer sit in and Jessica to talk about the product side, right? VP of product. And also, uh, uh, JP, our investor from Felix Capital, observes. Mm -hmm. So we've got more people around the table. We've got a lawyer there. It definitely has the feel of a formal meeting. In person? Or Zoom. 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 Yeah. Uh, right. There's one person in uh, LA. I'm in Chicago. One person in Ljubljana. Another person in Portland. And another two people in Portland, actually. And another person in London. So we're, mm -hmm. we're all over the place. So Zoom's what makes sense. Um, so it made for a, it's not like it's a stressful week. There's just a decent amount of work to do. You, you want yeah, to, I was going to, I was going to ask like, what does the prep look like? like how, how much of your time and energy goes into prepping for this? So it's a deck, right? It slides, uh, in a Google presentation. And the truth is a lot of that work is offloaded. Meaning I go to Elizabeth, our director of marketing, and I say, please update this slide with this quarter's numbers. So it's not like I'm doing that work, but I'm responsible for it getting done. Same thing with Sam that does the sales and the biz dev. So we're getting all the numbers. What, what I'm responsible for, right? Jess does the same thing with the product. Rock does the same thing with the tech. The part that requires work and conversation and thinking and like focus on is strategy. 
what happened since last time that went well, what didn't go well, what went according to plan, what's a surprise, and given everything we've learned, what's the plan moving forward? What adjustments are we making? What are we keeping the same? What are we changing? And the the goal the goal is to convey information and have a bunch of people around the table that really, really care about the success of the company and get the input of other people. And sometimes that's valuable from the people's input. It's also valuable from what you learn about yourself and your thinking as you go through the exercise of writing these slides and and articulating what's happening. Like you, you, you can almost like hear yourself like, oh, I don't actually feel confident in this point of view that I'm saying, or as I'm speaking, it feels obvious what we should be doing, or as we're listing out the things we're doing, I can feel in my gut we're doing too much. So all these things, it, it's like a venue to take a timeout, you know, that, away from the day to day and like synthesize. I, I, I've said this before, but like whether you have like your formal uh, quarterly board meeting, like, and it's, and, and there's real responsibilities there, or you have a mastermind group or, and, and I have some of that, or, or I do my, you know, uh, big snow, tiny comp retreats with some people. And you put this preparation into like presenting, mm -hmm. uh, and, and recapping and, and, and like a review of, of what happened in the past year or the past quarter or the past month. Like that is so valuable. Just going yeah. through that exercise, even, and like, I even sometimes do it and I don't even share it. And I just like, as if I'm presenting it just to, just to go through like a, a review process. It's, it's, so, it's good that so you helpful. do that, even if you're not presenting it, but right. They, it serves the same purpose when you go to Colorado and talk in front of four or five people that know you and your business for years. It's, it's, it's really, really similar in what yeah, it does. I mean, you, you have to like, it's, it, it's a way to, uh, filter out the bullshit. Mm -hmm. It makes you know? it go public with some accountability there. Yeah. 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 It's so it's, you can make all sorts of excuses when you're just yourself in your office. Yes. You know? Because you and, you and you don't even realize that you're doing it. But when you have to sh tell someone else about it, you, that's when you realize. Yeah. You, you know what I think about that? I think you have to make excuses for yourself. If you don't, you will lose your mind criticizing yourself and acknowledging the mistakes that you've made and how you could have done better on all these other things. You have to live with a certain set of excuses on why things aren't going perfectly yeah. daily, constantly, or you will hate yourself. And look, I, I also really believe in the power of, of your personal story. I think that's why I, I, I get so much value out of being a co-host of this podcast. Um, but it, the same is true for doing a review with, with, with the, with the group in Colorado or your mastermind group. It's like, you're, you're continuously adding to your story and telling a narrative mm -hmm. of this happened and that happened. And, and this was the result of that. And if I look back a year ago, this was the, the seed of why this ended up happening. Like you, you yeah. gotta like, think about it in terms of a story. Yeah. Cause that's, that's how we start to make sense of, of, and, and start to like pull away lessons, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So it's, it's always a valuable experience. It's not easy and it makes for a stressful week. Even if I'm not worried about, you know, that accountability and people being upset or I'm not worried about that, but it, it, you buzz on a higher uh, plane for a few days mm -hmm. and my wife sees it and, you know, I'm just 
in the back of my mind, that's what I'm thinking through and how I'm going to talk about this and present this and, and why I believe this way and why we're going in that direction. So, so what's yeah. like the takeaway? Are you getting like energy out of this coming out of it? So, so the general take, you know, in terms of like, I, I can't be very specific, but the general take is um, a stronger, more precise focus on our ideal customer instead of just talking to everyone, right? There was a stage in the company where we just needed people to use the damn checkout and whatever it took, just get in and process payments with us and give us feedback and ask for features. And that era is starting to fade into the background. And now it's time to really zero in on the right ideal merchants that will take us to the promised land, take us to where we need to be over the next two years. And when you do that, you have to review everything. You have to review your messaging, your language, right? For us, it's, it's a question, do, should you have a pricing page at all, right? If all of your mm. competitors and people in your space have a contact sales and request a demo and don't have a pricing page at all, you, you have to align everything. Yeah. The, the, the design, the copy, the messaging, when you send an outbound email, the things you say on the phone, the, the things that you call a document, it's an order form and not a contract. It's all got to line up. So yeah. it is so like really embracing like the, uh, the enterprise play. Okay. So even, even that one of the most important things that came out of the conversation is that we are not going enterprise. We are mid market. Okay. Cause enterprise in the e-commerce world is $500 million and up, right? That's the, the giant. It's like, what, what do we all even de define as like mid-market? Like, I feel like I'll, there's a lot of SaaS that mid-market would still be pretty big. The, well, for look, in, in my experience in the world that I've done business in, a, a company that does $100 million a year is a big-ass company. Uh, and I think of it mm -hmm. as enterprise. And, right. and, and one of the but things in, that but, came... Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, that's like mid-market. That, that's right. And one of the things that came out of the board meeting itself... When we, when we were like a, after the presentation, we said, okay, let's like kind of have it out. What's on your mind? What's the first thing that comes? What are the things that you want to say, but feel bad about saying like, let's have it all out. The thing that I said was, I think we're being imprecise in our language. And one person thinks of enterprise as this, another one thinks of this. You need a different type of person to run an enterprise sales process, all this stuff. And we have to be more precise in the language because our ideal customers are between 10 and $100 million a year. Right. And I guess the, the important thing is like, what, what do they call themselves? Right. Like you're the person you're, you're selling to, do they, when they introduce themselves, do they say we're, we are a mid market sized business or what are right. they, how do they use that word? Right. Cause that, right. Cause they, they have their own context and they look yeah. up to companies and look down to companies and so on. Cause so, like the goal is for your copy to like, for them to be like, yep, that's me. Right. It's, it's every touch point. Yeah. Every, because if you, the dangerous thing about that sales process is if you don't match expectations, in some ways it's like a checkout process. If you don't match expectations, you spook people. Mm -hmm. If you say, let's get on a call and you're the CEO and you want, you go on the first demo call, they're like, uh, it's not serious enough. Mm -hmm. Or if you try to rush into, do you want to start a trial before they've talked to legal, you're like playing out of order. 
So, so one of the big things that we'll do over the next few weeks is a review of our sales process, which starts with the ideal customer profile and then moves outward from there and, and looks through our material and the case studies and the demo and the PDF that we send after the, just the whole thing to review. Nice. Yeah, exciting. Back to work, basically. More work. Yeah, yeah dude. Always, always more work. <laughs> okay. How about you? That's, that's on my side. Um, I mean, things are going pretty well right now. I've, same thing, still a ton of work to do and still a ton of things that are happening, but I really feel good about the fact that we have turned the corner. We are fully clarity flow now. Zip messages in the rear view, it redirects like, and the, what's, what's a huge relief about that is, is that basically everyone on my team and myself, those projects of rebranding are done like we're not working on rebranding projects anymore now now we can everyone on the team can now focus on new features building out new marketing campaigns projects for clarity flow like that's a huge relief because frankly the the rebrand really pushed our roadmap further out than i would have liked because we yeah it just took so many hours and, and it was so complex but but i mean the the good news is that um we are seeing now the third month in a row of, of like noticeable growth. Yes, um, and is it, it, that feels really great um, because there were many months before that where we were just not growing very much, and to to see it start to break out three months in a row. Um, so you know now now I'm now I'm looking ahead around like okay, so how do we keep this growth rate going through the rest of the year? Um, I mean, so far, this, this is a result of the price increase that started uh, about a month and a half ago. Um, so this is all new customers coming in and, and, and paying higher prices than our legacy customers. Um, uh, so I'm starting to like map out the rest of the year. We, we are working on a bunch of big features that will push a lot of new value into our middle and upper tiers. So that's going to that's gonna drive uh, more upgrades, I expect, you know, this summer. Um, and then the other thing that I'm looking ahead to is handling all of the, uh, the, the legacy customers, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, promoting incentives for them to upgrade, uh, early, but ultimately by the end of the year that we're, we're going to upgrade all of them. Um, so that's going to be a, a change and, and like a whole thing to navigate, like right. giving them plenty of advance notice of the price increase and all that. But yeah, you can do that um, the right way and the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been trying to carefully plan that like it's like i've done all the work for getting the new prices and the new brand out for anybody new who's discovering us now then the next thing later in the year will be uh looking at the, the legacy customers um uh i guess i'll sort of touch on something that came up last week um sure and that's uh sales demos so yeah. uh pascal had a really good question last week i didn't have time to get to it but it's but he, I'm going to read his tweet. He said, um, because people are going to be, I'm just going to read here. One second. Because people are, I can't read some of his, because people are going to be officializing such a large part of their coaching business communications on clarity flow. How confident are you that you won't need to do demos and sales for growth? Okay, there's interesting assumptions um, inside of that. <laughs> yeah, like the assumption, I think the assumption in the tweet is that like, I'm 
I'm tied to the idea that we're not going to do sales demos. And that's just not the case. Um, I definitely expect to be doing sales demos. And in fact, I did one this morning. Um, and actually part of the calculus when I decided to not only niche, I decided to niche down to, to coaches and think about this larger vision for the product. One data point in that calculus was like, yes, I actually do want to move uh, uh, away from, not, not away from self-serve, that's always going to be there, but I, I want to introduce the opportunity to have a sales demo process because I feel like the previous iteration of the product under ZipMessage was a little bit too self-serve, too light touch and like low priced and not optimal for like a sales demo process. Okay. But, okay. but now since it is a significant, a, a more significant piece of software, a more significant adoption process, higher price point, you know, it's essential to a coach's business. Uh, that deserves uh, more of a conversation and uh, ha and concierge and handholding and personalized onboarding. And, and I think there's even an opportunity for um, uh, getting into like some paid, uh, like onboarding paid, paid setup, onboarding mm -hmm. services, um, paid migration services, stuff like that. Um, so I, I, I just see that as like an opportunity, not, not a, um, not a problem. Like it's, it's part of the calculus, you know, Can, and, like for right now it's me doing sales demos. Mm -hmm. Obviously I expect at some point we'll have a salesperson doing that. Um, and, and then just optimizing it every step of the way from, from the, uh, from the request process to prepping a new demo, to delivering the demo, to the follow-up, to, to an onboarding sequence. Like all of this is like super raw right now. Uh, we have nothing like I literally just have incredibly basic contact form on our website that just that we have a demo request it just says like request a demo like send us an email and then we'll get you on a call um and and even with just that like raw like almost nothing i've had multiple demo requests in the last like two weeks um and it's it, it's almost like surprising because like you can just go through and sign up for your own account but but i think that i think that that does speak to this market buying this type of software there's some segment of this market that wants a demo yes like we're we're almost we're barely even offering it at this point right people are asking for a demo everything on your site is try it free yes and at the very bottom in the footer there's a link that says get a demo so people yeah. are re people are hunting that down around filling out the form and saying i would like a demo please okay so yeah. i was going to ask you if if inserting the demo and sales process is is coming from you or from the market, it's something that I've been wanting to do. Okay, it, so you as, you want to do it? It's not just yeah. people are demanding it, right? I just have haven't had the time or bandwidth to like actually set up the. Can demo I ask what your yet. what your goal is? When, when you say you want to do it, is it because you think that'll close more business? Is it because you'll learn more? Is it to match expectations of the market? Some combination of everything? All, all of that, yes. Yeah. Um, I also think that um, the, I think demos tend to naturally attract a more serious buyer. Amen to that. Um, Amen. And, and so they, they produce more valuable customers. That's, that's been my experience. Yeah, um, I have to agree with you. I, and I've, I've done lots of demos in my previous businesses and, and sales 
like audience apps was a complete sales process right. the whole way through. And you, you definitely learn, a t- like I, I, I've been doing a lot of customer research calls uh, for Clarity Flow, but I haven't had, I haven't really gotten into the cadence and the routine of sales demo calls, especially when it's inbound and they request it. That's a whole other dynamic. And yeah, that's and like, it's, it's an opportunity to sell obviously, but it's, to me, it's much more an opportunity to learn because what I want to do over the next several months is like really hone in on like, cause I I've done this in previous businesses where I know that like going through a hundred of these sales calls over, over a couple of months, I start to really dial in on like, what are the questions that every lead is asking? How do we have better and better answers to those questions and answers to these objections? And you just start to really dial that in. It's just a whole learning process. And then all, all of that, you know, objections answering folds right back into the product. Like how do we make sure that we have the perfect product to deliver what they're asking for, you know? Yeah. Um, And you, yeah, you, you get a lot of fodder for, you get a lot of material to work with uh, on copy and materials. We we're big on materials, man. It, it really matters when, when you talk to someone and they ask you after this call, can you send me a case study that shows Mm -hmm. someone that switched from bolt to rally? Totally. Because that's what we're considering doing. And then you realize, Oh, we need to create that. And then we need to market it and put it into a blog and put it on the website. Yep. Yeah, and I and I have none of that right now. <laughs> like, yeah, that's okay. we're so we're so behind, and, and and it's but that's how, in my experience, like that's how it progresses, right? Like, I remember in audience ops, like I did hundreds of these demos before I ever had a a pre made slide deck to show them, and then I did hundreds with a slide deck of me presenting the same slide deck live, mm-hmm. really dialing that in before I recorded a version of that and, and get, and had a recorded demo to show them, you know, and then I, and then I figured out what the follow-up cadence should be. And like, you just, it's just like an MVP, just build on it piece by piece. Um, plus, frankly, I am just, I'm struggling with finding the hours <laughs> to put in, like, cause I'm, I'm spending so much time on the product, mm-hmm. uh, on these features we're, we're building out payments, we're getting a mobile app ready, we're getting, we're doing programs and community spaces coming up. Um, custom domains is actually going to be the next one that's pretty close to shipping. Uh, so I'm trying to push all this all this stuff out the door. And like the unfortunately the the sales demo stuff and the marketing projects are still. I'm struggling to to find time to give those things. But yeah, I, but, I, but I need to find I, I need to find the time somehow. So that's yeah. going to be a, a challenge. Yeah. Okay. But you're on the right track. A few months in a row of growth. Yeah. Oh, so, do you want to get into this debate? Yeah, let's do uh, it. I'm curious. I, I always love bringing out the personal. I, I I sit here in my office in my house, right? And I I, ha- I feel like there's like this barrier mm-hmm. of in this room, and then <laughs> out of, out of this room. <laughs> you know, and Same. and I really enjoy when the conversation, whether it is with a colleague. Or like this podcast or something else where it kind of reaches out into the house. Because that is, I mean, it's more important to me than what's in, in the room. <laughs> 100%. Yes. Um, okay. So I, I think this will be interesting. Um, all right. I'll, I'll try to recap my high-level understanding of, of what's, what's been said so far from Justin Jackson and, uh, and 
and um, Aaron Francis. So Justin started like a Twitter thread and then a blog post kind of making the case. And I'm, I'm such a fan of both Justin and, and Aaron. So this yeah, is, this is really, like really we're not fun. judging too hard. Um, it's just opinion stuff. Uh, Justin's take was um, essentially kind of arguing for, you know what? It might be smarter in general in the, in the broad strokes that if you are a parent of young kids, and I think we're talking about like, you know, babies, toddlers, yeah, like, close three, to the fire. like before, before, yeah, you're, you're just trying <laughs> to survive. Right? Yep. Um, if you're in that phase of life in your family, it's worth considering pushing off the entrepreneurial dream a few years until, until your kids grow up and maybe have a bit more space to work with in your life to fit in okay your your first startup okay, okay. this is a very personal preference stuff where we're <laughs> okay um i think aaron uh came on uh, justin's podcast to argue the the opposite uh, and and aaron i think is is the father of of two young kids i think two years old and uh and, and i i really loved how uh, aaron's how he puts like he's in his like maximum effort era Okay, and it's maximum it's motivation. Yep. Ma yeah, it put in the the after hours, like full time job plus yeah, a startup. Put the kid to bed. Look at them uh, sleeping in the crib and say, "Oh my god, I gotta get going. I gotta yeah, go." Yeah, and go, go, and go. like yeah, kind of, kind of like hustling. You know, I know yeah. there's a lot of like anti hustle in, in some circles, but like yeah, that's fine. Th this is the time to do it, right? Yeah. So I I have some thoughts on it, and um, I think great points were made on on both sides of that. There there were a few. Um, factors in this debate that I feel like went a little bit undiscussed. At least I, I, I missed them. So, okay. I mean, I, I just tend to be on team, like start as soon as you possibly can or earlier in life, the better, uh, younger in life, the better. Um, now I, I completely understand and respect that like every person's personal situation is different. Your financial situation may, may be different. Your family dynamics, Yep. Uh, you know, family first, like don't, don't put your, your family or life or your personal health at risk, obviously. Right. Um, but if, if you're talking about like the, the question or even like your own, like internal debate of like, should I go for it or not? Mm -hmm. okay. I think, you, I think you and your partner, if, if it's something that you want, you, you need to find a way to, to make it worth work in a healthy way. And that, and that might actually mean putting that, that might mean a few things, um, working more, more than normal hours. Mm -hmm. It might mean taking a pay cut for a while than what you might, than what you would have been used to making or, or you could be earning at a, at a job. Um, it, it, there's obviously some sacrifices. And I think, I think Aaron and Justin made some really good points about what, what those sacrifices actually are. Um, it's, it's, you know, this this thing that we, we do is hard and it's and it does require a lot of sacrifice um but i i think the point that i wanted to get across was there is also risk in waiting there's also risk in pushing it off further down the line um i think that it does actually get harder to be successful as a first-time entrepreneur later in life than, than if you at least start that process earlier in life. Um, I, I just think, you know, like put, 
put the kids question sort of aside for a second. Right. If you can make it work when you're younger, the, like it, it, there, you have a little bit more going for you. And, and the re and I, and I don't, okay, want, okay. I, I know that we have, uh, I know that there are plenty of people who, who find amazing success later in life. I'm not saying that's not possible. Sure. But I think that a lot of them have been at it for a while. Right. Yeah. So, or they use the context built up in their career up until that point. That's, I mean, that's yeah, my point. It's like, good. like I'm a big believer in like, you have to get through a lot of fails to find the wins. So the sooner you can start those fails, the better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, um, I, I think that's just what tends to happen. I don't think that's necessary. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, obviously you could hit it on the first one, but like, but I'm sure. just saying like, um, that, that's just a philosophy that I've always, like, I know I'm going to fail in the first few tries. I just got to get through those as qu quickly as possible so I can learn and, and make progress. Um, I think there's that. I think there's also like the, the more small wins that you can build up earlier in your career, whether it's um, learning how to, how to build and sell and ship a product, um, maybe, maybe building a small business and selling it and leveraging the, 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 the financial outcome to, to self fund and bootstrap your next thing. You, you and I both have, have done that a few times in our careers. Like, um, you know, I, I just think that there's a lot of benefit to getting on the, getting on the horse earlier than, than, than making your very first stab at entrepreneurship be later in life. You know? Yes. Okay. So here's my question though. The, one of the reasons it's better overall, or the two of us at least think it's better to start earlier is because you have less at stake. Exactly. Fewer people depending on you. Ideally, you don't have a mortgage. All these things that get built up in your responsibility stack over mm -hmm. time. So in some ways, that does make the argument to hold off. If you, But it, look, the whole thing is so context-based. If you yeah. have never been an entrepreneur and you have uh, two young kids, like that's completely different than if you've been an entrepreneur for your whole life and this is what you're used to, or it also depends what you have in savings. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's like an impossible question. Like who's the best basketball player ever, right? It's like going right. to debate forever because it's right. just fun to debate. But the answer is Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, we agree there. Um, uh, like the, I, I, exactly. I mean, it, it's obviously like every situation is different. Um, um, my take yeah. is always, always the freedom of choice. That is the point of this country. Mm -hmm. the, the thing that this country does better than everywhere else, it's the reason my parents left their home country and came here is because you can do whatever the hell you want. Mm -hmm. And that, I think some of the things on Twitter and LinkedIn and in that universe, I don't like getting advice from people. I don't like hearing other people give too much advice that's overly opinionated. I don't Agreed. like hearing this is what you should do. This is what you need to do. If you're not doing this, you're doing that. That whole thing is bullshit. Yes. The, the whole point, the whole goddamn thing about not only this country, but entrepreneurship and, and free enterprise and the ability to start your own business to begin with is you should do whatever the hell you want. And if you 
and that thing in your belly and you just had your first kid and you've got 5,000 bucks in your checking account and you look at your new six-week-old baby and you say, I got to get my ass going now. I, that whole thing I've been thinking about for the past 10 years, it's time to start it now. Then fucking God bless, man. That's what you yeah, do. Man. That's what you do. Yeah, and I, I really do think there's a, there, there is that personal fire. Like, like I think a lot, a lot of us doing this just feel like this has to happen at some point. So when is the optimal time to make it happen? Um, yes, it's but like, like you know, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Now I'm a little worked up. Anything that prevents that that kernel that's that's forming inside someone to go start their own business. It's, it's like this unnatural, uh, it's a, yep. a self limitation. Yep. And, and it doesn't matter what you say about what those limits are. It's still self-imposed. If you are in a completely stuck financial situation and you have a ton of responsibilities, it is still up to you what you do with your time. Anything is an excuse. Everything is an excuse. Yep. And and if you allow those excuses to prevent you from starting a business, then that's exactly what not, what you have arranged. I was going to say what you deserve. That's a little harsh. It's no, exactly yeah. where you are. That's that's if you have right. not broken through over the hurdle that says I have all these reasons not to do it, and I'm still going to do it. That just means you haven't gotten there yet, and you're. You are where you are. It's not like a yeah, look. And I mean, look, there's just no like the, the point here is to be brutally honest about the reality. Like it does take sacrifice. I, I, I know that right. every right. every person has sacrificed something, you know, yes. um, again, you, you, every, and every person has has their own personal limits on what is acceptable and not acceptable. Right. That's right. Um, but. You know, it it just does, and and I think that um, I I just remember when I was twenty five years old, I was employed at a at a web agency, and I remember making the decision to quit and become a full time freelancer, and my literal justification that I was explaining to like my parents and my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and like, uh, you know, I was like, you know what, we don't have kids, we don't have a mortgage. I'm not getting paid all that much anyway at that job. Like if, if I'm going to take this leap, like now feels like a pretty safe time to do it rather than being later in life. Because I have many friends who, who waited until later in life until making, you know, and now they're making six figures and now they do have kids and now they do have, you know, uh, a yeah. mortgage. And it's, it's, it's just harder. You know, a lot of them still still manage to make that jump, but a lot of them don't because it's just so much harder to make the necessary sacrifices when you're later in life. Um, uh, yeah. You know, it's just like that's that's the and, and I and I think that there's also an element of like you you got to get com even now. Like for me, I'm I'm still making less than I would like to make personally oh, yeah. as in terms of my income and um and what I could be making on the job market, right? Yep, but. No, but question. that's a, I mean, obviously there's a, I have a financial runway and, and, and a history in, in my business and all that. Like it's, I, I've put the chess pieces in place to get to where I am right now. Yes, but the, but unfortunately, I think both of us have to acknowledge we would have made more money if we went the corporate track. No, yeah. zero question. At least yeah. in my mind, zero question. Yeah. We would be better 
off financially today if I had stuck with my Solomon Smith Barney investment banking job? No question, probably by an order of magnitude. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I wasn't in the banking industry, but I I, I also think that I, I would be making more every year up yeah, now. The, but I but I also strongly believe that like I have a pretty valuable asset that I that I own, and that's my business. You know, yeah, that's um, right. The um, I but I do want to a little bit argue the flip side because I feel like Justin Jackson okay. did a really great job in his career. I love observing people's careers, by the way, and like okay. the moves that they make year to year. Really? Uh, that I, I love it. I, I think it's, I, that's why I love podcasts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you, you like fascinated. following along that, that journey and narrative. I, I'm, I'm always fascinated when people are making major career moves and, and the <laughs> chess game that is your career. I love that. Okay. That, I think that's um, interesting. I, I've been thinking about that recently because you and I, my friend, we are no spring chickens anymore. No. <laughs> we, yeah. We are, yeah. So I, I think about that sometimes. And yeah, I'm seeing I, some gray hairs in both, of the, <laughs> both sides of our Zoom call right yes. now, for sure. <laughs> my general take, like my conclusion when I look at the whole thing and I ignore the mistakes of the past and I don't regret them and all that. My general conclusion is I'm really motivated to make this work big. Same. <laughs> that's that's my conclusion overall is all the stuff that happened in the past and where we are in the timeline, like it's not too early, it's not too late, but like it would really be nice if this hit because I, <laughs> It does well, not sound nearly as appealing to start a new company five years from today as it yeah. did at 28 and or 33 or this or like, you know, it, it feels like a bigger deal. I mean, look there, you know, again, if if you can get if you can get your your financial like savings in order and your family and, and your of course, like goes without saying, like your spouse, your partner, who's truly a partner in this. Uh, like it or not <laughs> has to be has to be on board you know um and and i think all of us who who do this would say like we have an amazingly supportive family uh to to make it happen right. but i hope so um the you know like if let me try to get my thoughts in order here mm -hmm. <laughs> um you're about justin jackson's point or like his like yeah i i think that like you know doing it if if you are in a, in a position where you just have to have the full-time job, there's no getting yep. around it to yep. pay the bills. There are still things that you can do to, to put to yourself to just in, in a position to start. And Absolutely. that doesn't, that doesn't even have to mean like literally starting a business while you're still employed, but you can do things that will benefit you later. When you start a business, you look at Justin Jackson, he, he was talking about how he, you know, he had the snowboard chops, then he, then he closed those up went to employment for several years to that's sort right of get, get his bearings with his family but you know what he did during those years he built an audience that's right i'm in he had a he had a podcast and a newsletter and a membership and and you know maybe made a, a, a little bit of cash on that but mostly he's building an audience so that by the time he later in life when he was building businesses that's a huge asset. I don't care what anyone says about audiences. It makes it easier. When you Absolutely. Start 100%. You know, it's impossible um, to tell what element or what percentage of the success of Transistor is related to that. But yeah, it's have a head start. I mean, right, come you on, you can, I, 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 I'm sure he would he would attest to that. Right. It's um, years of work. Yeah. And I, I remember listening to his podcast back in the day. Um, Product People, I think it was called. Yeah, um, that's right. You know, like, but and, and that is, and that's the kind of thing that if you are in a place where 
you just don't have the hours in the day or the energy to put in the early mornings or the late nights because you, you got to pay the bills. You got to do the full-time job. At least you can get on a podcast one hour a week, or at least you can write a newsletter. Um, you know, like that's, that's a, that's a, actually a, a pretty small investment. You can do something to Always. do something to grow an audience. You know? Yes. I think um, we're all, I think we would all pretty easily agree on while entrepreneurship is incredibly important and we want everyone to be able to follow their like dreams in life, none of us want to see someone put their family in a terrible spot. But what that means is different for everyone. Yeah. I took a preposterous amount of risk with a young family in terms of like debt and whatever else. And that was just my risk tolerance and preference. And my older brother would never do that. And that's something that he and I talk about in just acknowledging their differences in personalities. He's yeah. an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. But there, there are differences in your willingness to take on risk. And yeah. everyone's personal situation is different in this. So, yes. I also think that there's that, that, at risk. But I also it. think that if you're going for a job, um, there are str more strategic jobs to take than others, right? True. Um, uh, I thought Aaron made a really good point about this. Like uh, his role right now at Planet Scale, it's 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 in the same sort of industry and and space, but it but it's also like he does coding for his startup, but more like courses and content for for his job. So it's like a different a, a different balance. Or or you might be in a role that could where you can learn a ton about a a part of the industry or or a skill set that you can leverage in your own business, like. There are things that you can do that are still beneficial to your future business endeavors in in an employment situation. You know, that's right. Amen. Yeah, man. But uh, but I'm I'm still on team. Go for it when you're younger. You yep, that's right. <laughs> uh, um, what else? I I, I, had, I had an interesting experience this uh, week. I I went to Twitter. Okay, so here's what happened. I'm closing down a corporate entity that has a 401k attached. Oh, yeah. I want to hear about this. Okay. So I have been looking at that and thinking, okay, it's got a few bucks in there. It's not crazy, but it's a significant amount of money and it's pre-tax. And I have always been frustrated by the 401k system because you have so little freedom over your own money. So great. You get to put it away directly from your uh, paycheck and it gets put pre-tax and can grow pre-tax. Fantastic. The issue is all you can do is basically say, well, 50% stocks and 50% bonds or 75, 25 or nine. Like you have no control over what it's buying. I remember I have, I have an email. I have the goddamn email. I emailed the people and I said, I want to buy Tesla stock. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know what it was, 50,000 bucks or something at the time. And I said, I just want to buy all Tesla stock with, with this money. And they were like, no, you can't do it. And if you look at when I sent that email and what has happened, it'd be worth oh. like $750,000 or something ridiculous. Right. And that has always bothered me. And so what I, what I, what I'm seeing now is when so I, you're saying like, you, you just want to, you would want to like allocate the actual. Yes. Stock I want in, freaking in control over my own money for God's sake. Yeah. So this is an opportunity when you are closing down a corporate entity, you get to do something with the 401k, you get to roll it over. So instead of just rolling it over into like rallies 401k and have be in the exact same position, 
I thought this is the opportunity to to go the self-directed route. Mm-hmm. So there are a whole bunch of different options and they're all confusing and no one really tells you what you should and shouldn't do. And so it's like this weird scenario of, oh, I thought I wanted a self-directed IRA mm-hmm. because then you can you can buy a specific stock, you can invest in real estate, you can invest in startups, uh, you can do whatever you want with the money. So I looked at a bunch of different options and I went to Twitter and I asked people about it. And fortunately, I got an introduction from Drew Sanaki. I don't know if you know Drew, he's in the e-commerce world, great guy, uh, smart entrepreneur and smart person overall. Uh, He pointed me toward a company that helped me set up a solo 401k. Yeah, I remember looking into this a few years back. Right. So I thought self-directed IRA was going to be right for me. The issue with the self-directed IRA is that you need like a service provider. And then when you look into the service providers, it's not that much control over your money. So there's like this checkbook thing versus non-checkbook. It's basically like, do you have a checkbook and an account? So I looked into something called Alto IRA, which looks great. But then what I realized was if I want to make an angel investment out of it, which is one of the things, you know, Peter Thiel kind of made that popular. Have you heard of Peter Thiel's thing? So Peter no, Thiel, so our, what, like our, folding our, angel investments into your... Our, our boy Peter Thiel invested in Facebook out of his IRA. <laughs> so <laughs> all of the profits from his $500,000 in the first investment into Facebook are oh, wow. all non-tax. Wow. I mean, so, right, so that's a billion dollar move, right? That's unbelievable. And that story is so good that it popularized this idea. And now everyone's making startup investments out of their retirement account <laughs> Wow, for, okay. for better or worse. So I, I want to be the next Peter I'm Thiel. I'm so in the dark on all this stuff. I just, I'm just like a. I, I think most people set, are. And some I'm people a set it and forget it. Like, just, get too into like it. I know it's costing me potential upside but I just don't have the time or energy to become an expert on this and I would fuck it up anyway. So I, I just I think that's how stick most with the safe are. options, the, the set it and forget it. That's been my philosophy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. As long as you got something growing pre-tax, it's all good. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I, some people are also too into it and they're like super optimizers and then like turns me off. So anyway, it turns out that it, it, would, be, it would be much more difficult than I would want to invest in, in startups. You basically have to have the the founder like go create an account with Alto IRA, and that's like, well, what are we talking about? No, no one wants to do that. Mm-hmm. So it turns out if you have an LLC that you are the sole member of, if you are self-employed and make like five hundred dollars a year, when I still do some consulting stuff um, uh, for my brother, so I have a little bit of income in this in this LLC, and that's enough to qualify you for a solo four hundred one k. And that is like held in a trust. And then you go to Chase Bank and you open up an account and then like you got a bank account. You have a pre-tax bank account to do stuff. You can write investments for real estate. You can write a check for a startup. You can buy Bitcoin. You do whatever you want because it's like really your money. As long as you don't pull it out of that trust Mm -hmm. into your personal, you're you're good on the the tax front. Interesting. So that's what you're doing. So all, all you founders raising seed rounds, call me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I'm about it. Yeah, man. I, you know, like fi- a, a financial advisor for startup entrepreneurs who are too busy on their business to care to research and learn all this shit, I shut up and take my money. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, I, I, I hear you. My, my younger brother, who has a lot more money than I do, uh, he, he advises um, uh, to go with like a relationship, like find someone that you actually trust. This is what they do for a living. You could just ask them the question instead of going to Twitter, things like that. But I, yeah. I have not, not made that leap. Yeah, or going to ChatGPT. <laughs> I've, dude, I've been, I've been really like using it more and more, just like asking it for not really advice, but like, like how does stuff work? Like, I just like ask questions to like, like if I'm planning like a big new feature, like help, help me strategize on the approach on this or like, how does this system typically work? Give me some basic information so that I can start huh. to make some decisions. Like I'm just using it more in the day to day than I did before. It, really interesting. it is, it is growing in value and it is, it's like insidious where once you get it lodged in your head to, to go that path when looking for an answer. And our development yeah. team is starting to use it more. I think they just use it to build a Chrome extension. Nice. Yeah. It's tough to identify which uh, which website is using, let's say, like a specific e-commerce platform. So mm. we we like asked it how to identify things, and here's a bunch of sites that use it. What's unique about them? Yeah, it's it's kind of wild, man. It, it is wild. Like I, I was planning out our new payments feature. We're going to be using Stripe Connect, which will be my first time working with Stripe Connect on a, on a big feature. And like, oh, cool. at, like, so just in the very early stage, technical planning and feature scoping and shaping, I'm, I'm trying to ask it all these questions, like what's, what's possible? Like if I, can I design the feature this way? Will users be able to do this or that? Like, is that an option? And like, you know, and it gave me really good information that I can then use to shape the feature, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm also, we've started to use it in, in our marketing work. And I'm, I'm at this point right now where I'm hiring, I'm looking to hire some writers for, for blog content for, for clarity flow. And I just can't get my head around the idea of like, how could we not use GPT four as an integral part of our article writing process? It, it almost seems ridiculous not to use it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I definitely think that there's a, there has to be a human element in content creation, especially to make sure that our brand voice and our and connection to our product and all, all that is there. But filling out a 3,000 word article, like it just seems a little ridiculous, like not to rely on chat GPT, especially GPT-4 for like a significant part of that process. Just gotta right. figure out the right, workflow and how to do it well and have and have it not just regurgitate garbage and like but yeah it does feel like writing is that first territory where it it, it is significantly disruptive yeah yep that's right yeah well, our uh our director of marketing is going out on maternity leave soon and i am feeling very lonely <laughs> i don't know what to do on the marketing i have so much work to do uh so yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if we rely on on, on gpt much more yeah, man. Yo, it's Friday. Right. Let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. I think we're gonna actually fire up the grill for the first time tonight. So. Nice. I used my smoker for the first time since I moved here oh, uh, yesterday. That's like the first thing you, you shipped over, right? It's like get the smoker <laughs> in place. Okay, now we're set. Yes, I got real ambitious, so I threw away. I gave away the the other barbecue because I was like, I'm gonna get like the super legit thing, but I haven't gotten it yet. So I'm relying on my smoker right now. But it works as a, as a grill too. Nice. I look forward to all of that version of life while my kids are bouncing on the trampoline and I like oh, you know, totally. sip, sip a beer and smoke some meat. 
Hell yeah. Yo, thanks for listening, everyone. All right, folks. See ya.